Several weeks ago, uh, our country once again was shocked by the pointless murder of an innocent black man named Ahmaud Aubrey. And what was most shocking uh, to me and to most of the people uh, during this time was the fact that uh, Mr. Aubrey was killed back in February, but we didn't hear about it until April because that's when a video was leaked. And no charges had been brought up against the two men who were responsible because they knew the DA. And eventually, because of public outcry, murder charges were pressed against those two men. Then last week happened. Of course, we all have seen the footage of the, the death of or the murder of George Floyd by the Minneapolis Police Department and the men responsible. And we've seen the outrage. We've seen the protests. We've seen the riots. We've even seen them in Roanoke. Uh, they've been in Richmond. They've been in Lynchburg. They've they, they finally come to our back door. And last night, as I was watching some of the things and seeing what was going on, uh, I just I, I didn't know what to do. I'm honestly at a loss. Uh, I knew I had a message prepared, and I knew that I, sh I should not preach it. It's, it's a message on uh, Zacchaeus. We'll talk about him another week, I guess. But it felt like something needed to be said about what we're facing. And, and whatever your opinion is about George Floyd and his murder or the police officers involved, or the rioters, or, the, or whatever is going on, whatever your opinion of is about what's responsible and what's the response to this video, it is obvious that we as a society are in trouble. Our culture is crumbling around us. You can blame it on whatever you want to blame. People are, are, are nervous and scared because of the coronavirus and the quarantine, and now this is how they're, they're lashing out. But there are, our, our society, our country is on the brink of one of two things, either complete collapse or an incredible revival. I don't know about you, but I want the revival. I want to see God use these terrible, terrible circumstances to do something great for his kingdom. And we've seen him do it in his word in the past. Time and time again, Israel has been on the brink of destruction. When God showed up, an incredible revival came through the nation, and God was glorified and lifted up, and incredible things happened. And, and it can happen now. We serve the same God. We have the same God that they had in the, in the Old Testament, and if he did it in their day, he can do it in our day. But I'm scared that we're going to get to collapse instead. I'm scared that God's people are not going to do enough to bring about the revival because it's, it's our responsibility as a church. And not just, I'm not talking, when I say, because I'm going to be saying the church a whole lot during this message. And when I say the church, I don't mean specifically new grace. I mean the church as a whole. Christians across the world. If we don't see revival, it's going to be our fault. We are on the brink of something incredible for God, but we've got to do something. In Luke chapter 10, there's a lawyer who is talking to Jesus, and he asks Jesus a question. He goes, what must I do to obtain eternal life? 
thought we made the stage bigger for a purpose. What must I do to, uh, to earn eternal life? And Jesus says, well, what does the Bible say? And the lawyer says, well, the Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your spirit, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, hey, that's, you said it. That's right. Do what, you, do what the Bible says. Now, that's, of course, our motto, love God, love others, serve others. But then the lawyer asks a follow-up question. He goes, okay, so who's my neighbor? And Jesus tells a parable about the Good Samaritan. In Luke chapter 10, verse 30, says this, And Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which of these three thinkest thou was the neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. Now, we all know this parable, this parable of the, of the Good Samaritan. And the Samaritan, of course, was a, the man who had no obligation to help this Jew. This Jew was coming down from Jerusalem, Jericho. He got hurt. And the Jews and the Samaritans were enemies. The Jews hated the Samaritans. The Samaritans hated the Jews. So this Samaritan, he was under no obligation to help. Now, the two guys who passed by before, the priest and the Levite, they were under obligation to help. According to the Levitical law, they were supposed to help anyone they saw hurt or injured or wounded, but they averted their eyes and they went their way. But the Samaritan comes along. He sees a need. He doesn't have the, the obligation to help. He doesn't have the training to help, but he helps anyway. As I was thinking about the events that are, we're facing last night, I kept thinking about this parable. And I think that we as believers, we think of ourselves as a Samaritans. But I believe we're the Levites and the priests. I believe we avert our eyes and ignore the problem. We figure someone else will fix it. It's someone else's issue. doesn't really affect me personally, so I don't have to get involved. We can't be bothered by it. And let's just get real honest. That's a sin against God. For us to see a problem and ignore it is a sin against the holy God. We need to see the issues. We need to feel compassion for what people are facing. We need to be willing to get dirty and do something. But, but what? And let's be honest, what can we do? By recognizing, it starts by recognizing the problem. And look, we're all white Americans. It's hard for us to see the problem. Let's get honest about it. It's hard for us to really truly, we can see the problem, but we, do, we don't really experience it as other people do. And so it's easy to ignore it or think it doesn't exist or think, you know what? People bring it on themselves. 
It's not really this big racism issue. It's just, it's just what happens sometimes, but it's not. We have to recognize that there is a problem in our culture and a problem in our, war, in our country. Our country has been plagued by racism for over 200 years, and we need to see and recognize that there is a problem. Look, hating anyone because of their race, their religion, their gender, or hating them for any reason whatsoever is a sin against a holy God because that person you don't like was made in the image and likeness of God, and God loves them just as much as he loves you. All of us are created in God's image. None of us are better than anyone else, no matter what you think. And look, it's easy to look at the looters and say, well, I'm better than them. No, you are not. You just have someone better inside of you. And by the grace of God, you're not like them. By the mercy of God, you're not out there doing what you think, oh, they ought not be doing this. Don't, 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 look, don't judge people. Don't look your nose down on people because you would never do that. Thank God you don't have to. Thank God you're not in the position that you, you think that's the only way to get your voice heard. Praise God for what he's blessed you with. And you may not hate people, but even looking down on them or judging them, is a sin. When we see hatred and racism in any form, from any source, we have to rebuke it, period. And I think we as a church, again, church, but me as a pastor, I've been too silent too long. I don't want to offend people. Well, that's wrong, but I don't want to, I don't want to offend people. You know what? It's time people got offended. Last night as I was at the park, I was looking through uh, the internet and I was, I was looking for what other spiritual leaders were saying about what's going on and there was way too little being said. Some of the spiritual leaders you think about, okay, here's what, the, the president of the SBC, J.D. Greer, has said nothing yet. Pastor I, I follow out in uh, Las Vegas has said nothing yet. Andy Stanley, one another great, has said nothing yet. No one said anything. Why? Why are we being quiet? Why are we pointing out sin when we see it and saying that is wrong, that is against God? What are we scared of? And we wonder why our world's in such a mess. Because we refuse to do anything about it. Ignoring the sin will not get rid of it. And our, our country has been plagued by it for too many years and it's destroying us. Our world is sick, it's diseased, and it's falling apart around us and we are averting our eyes and hoping for the best. We are the only hope for our land to be healed. It's not the politicians. Look, the politicians are doing, they're making it worse. They're politicizing everything to make their constituents feel good, and they're pitting people against each other. It's this side against that side. And it's not just, and look, you say, well, yeah, that, that side's doing it. No, no, no. They're all doing it. Republican, Democrat, Independent, they're all doing it. They're pitting each other against each other and using this situation for their own gain. They are not going to help. Hollywood ain't going to help. What are they going to do? 
send out a, a YouTube video about how be they're better than all of us, and they sit in their mansion in quarantine. Man, I hate those people like, oh, quarantine life's so hard when they're sitting in their pool. Like, shut up. You want a hard life? Come, come live in my house for a couple weeks. I'll go live in your mansion. But they're not the ones who are going to tell us. They're going to tell us how we're wrong, and they're not going to help at all. It isn't the cancer culture that we're living in where if anyone ever said anything wrong ever in their life, then they're, they're canceled forever, and you can, you can never put them on a TV show or watch them on a sports show or anything like that. That's not going to fix the problem. It is God's people who are going to have to fix the problem. We are supposed to be the Samaritans. We are the ones who have to get dirty and do something. But what do we have to do? Look over in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. 2 Chronicles, Solomon has just completed building the temple. They've had a, a, a weeks-long feast and festival to celebrate. They've prayed to dedicate the temple. Solomon has gone on a several-day fast and prayed to just thank God for the temple and, and dedicate the temple to God. And then after the temple is dedicated, God comes to Solomon in a vision and he speaks to him. And look what he says in verse number 12. <clears throat> it says, And the Lord appeared unto Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place myself for a house of sacrifice. Talk about the temple. He's telling Solomon, this is the place where God's going to dwell. When you need to know where the presence of God is, it's here in the temple. So when you, you have trouble, you can come to the temple for God. When you're confused, you can go to the temple and be with God. When you have all these issues, you can go to the temple and be with God. Now, look, we don't have a temple anymore. We don't go to Jerusalem and worship at the temple. So what is the temple? The temple now is, is Jesus. He's the temple that we go to. When we have trouble, when we're confused, when we're unsure. And here's the good news as a believer, he lives inside of you. You are the temple of God. You have the Holy Spirit living inside you. But he's saying, Solomon, Solomon, this is where I'm going to live. So when trouble comes, this is where you live. Didn't look at verse 13. If I shut up heaven, that there be no rain. Or if I command the locusts to devour the land. Or if I send pestilence among my people. God describes to Solomon what society will look like when people start turning from God. Heaven will be shut up. The blessings of God will stop. Locusts will devour the land. Pestilence will come to the land. Sounds a lot like we're, what we're facing today. We've got pestilence in the land. That word pestilence, it's also the, the Hebrew word epidemic. It's a disease. We're facing that now. We're still at the, 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 we don't even know what's going on with this whole corona thing. We don't know if it's ever going to end. I hear reports, oh, we'll be out by next week, and then, oh, maybe by 2023, we'll be back to normal. We have no idea what's going to happen. Let's be honest, we don't have any idea how this is going to go. We've got pestilence. Our world is being eaten up by locusts of division and hatred. Pestilence has come to the land, and our culture is being devoured. We are facing what God said, hey, this is what's going to happen when you turn from God. But then he gives an answer. Verse 14, he says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. 
God tells Solomon, Solomon, when the world is a mess and you have no idea what to do, here's what you do. And notice he didn't say, go fix those people. Go deal with those people. The looters are the problem. The rioters are the problem. The corrupt police are the problem. Look, I understand, not all police are bad. 99% of them are excellent civil servants who deserve our love and respect, but those, those, that 1% of the bad, they get all the attention. Just like all the protesters aren't bad. Only a little small percent of them are the ones causing all the trouble. We can say, we need to deal with those bad cops. We need to deal with those bad looters. No, God says, you need to deal with you. If my people will deal with themselves, then will I hear from heaven. God says, Solomon, if things are in the land are not what they should be, God's people need to take action. He says, if my people will humble themselves, if my people will pray, if my people will seek my face, if my people will turn from their sins, then I will heal their land. See, we, we love to look at society and culture and say they need to do this. The Democrats need to do this. The Republicans need to do this. The, this. This group needs to do here. You know, PETA needs to do this and the Planned Parenthood. We, we love to point and say them, 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 them. The problem with society is not them, 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 them. It's us, 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 us. We've allowed it to happen. We've been silent and, and just allowed the world to get to this way. God says they are not the problem, we are the problem. See, all this stuff we see in the society is not the problem, it's a symptom of what the disease is. The real problem is sitting comfortably in churches all across the world, acting like nothing's going on, averting our eyes from the problem. That's the problem. We are the problem. We are the sickness. The real problem is the people of God have become apathetic to what's happening in our lives. I don't know where you are, but this hit me like a ton of bricks as I was looking at it last night. God says, if my people, called by my name, God's not looking for repentance and revival outside the, the church. God's looking for repentance and revival in the heart of his people. Revival and healing in our nation, it has to start with us. So how do we do it? Well, he says, first we've got to humble ourselves. He goes, if my people, which are called by my names, shall humble themselves and pray. The word humble means to be lowly or meek. It implies dependence. It is describing living a life in total dependence on God. Humility towards God is the awareness of our desperate need for God in every situation of our life. We need God more than we know we need God. See, that's where most of us aren't humble. We don't think we need God as much as we actually do. I need God to help when I have trouble. I need God to help, you know, get through this situation. I need God to help me when I'm feeling anxious. I need God for this. But, you know, I don't need God at work. I got work handled. I don't need God in my marriage. I'm okay there. I don't need God over in this area of my life. That's life's fine. I just need God here. You need God in every area of your life, every moment of your life. 
There has never been a moment in your life you didn't need God. You think you've got it under control? It's because you're not humble. We don't think we need God. Pride is destroying us. And God resists the proud. That's why we struggle in our personal life. Because of our pride. That's why we struggle in our walk with God. Because of our pride. That's why we struggle in growth in our churches. Because of our pride. That's why we struggle in our culture. Because of our pride. Not their pride. Our pride. God said, my people need to humble themselves. We are proud. You know what? We think we're, we're better than the ones who are looted and rioting. We're better than the police who are killing people. But we are not. We are not better than anyone. It's by his grace and his mercy you are where you are, not because of anything you've done. The Bible says without him, we can do nothing. That means we are where we are because of him, not because of us. And if you're sitting there thinking, well, you know what, I, I, I was raised better than, than that. I work hard, I'm a good person. You're not humble yet. You still got some pride. Well, my, my mama taught me, and you know why your mama taught you that? Because God gave her that, that, and it's not because of you, it's because not because of her, it's because of God. You can do nothing without him. We need to humble ourselves. It's not just humble ourselves, pray. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. Notice he didn't say post on Facebook. He didn't say to share something that you think will make people think. He didn't say march. He didn't say correct people. He said pray. That is our only hope. Because prayer shows humility. Because we are recognizing that we cannot do what needs to be done. We need God to do it. So what do we pray for? He goes, humble themselves and pray and seek my face. We need God. We need to walk with him. We need to pray to him. We need to allow God to work through us. We don't need to seek a politician getting elected or reelected. We don't need a better Supreme Court justice. We need God. God is our only hope. God is the answer. And so we are to seek him and pray that he would pour out his spirit on us and do a great work through us. And by his grace, we, he, he will do what he needs to do in our society. But he also says, pray to turn from their wicked ways. Again, notice it didn't say, pray those people change. Pray they turn from their wicked ways. We are to turn from our wicked ways as a group of believers and personally. Look, believers have been silent too long and we've allowed the sin of racism to continue in our land. Look, we scream and stand up and protest and shout against abortion. Somebody tries to take away our gun rights and we are, we are literally up in arms talking about how we have the right to do this and how dare they try to take that away. But we see obvious racism like, ah, oh, well, I don't want to stir the pot. That's wickedness. Nowhere in the Bible does God say, thou shalt have a nine millimeter at all times. But God does say a lot about racism. In uh, Exodus Moses was, was leading the nation of Israel, and 
his sister and his brother start ridiculing his wife because she's black. You know what God does? Strikes his sister with leprosy. Why? Because God hates racism. Because everybody's made in his image. And we won't stand up and say anything about that. We'll just say, man, they can't take my guns. And is abortion sin? Yes, of course, we should stand up against abortion. But why not this? Why not when we see hatred and evil in our world, do we not stand up and say something? That's wickedness. We're afraid we may offend someone or say the wrong thing. And, and I've been there, but not anymore. I'm turning from the wickedness of silence. But not just our cultural sin, our personal sin. God said, be ye holy, for I am holy. What personal sin are you hanging on to that you don't want to get rid of? Hey, guys in the sound booth, George, hush. Sorry, forgive me of that sin. All right, what personal sin are you holding on to? Say, well, my wickedness can't be the reason this is going on. If all of us have that attitude, yeah, it is. And let's be honest, we've all got that one little thing that we think, oh, it's, not a, it's not a big deal. I'm not killing anyone. I'm not cheating on my spouse. It's not that huge of a deal. But to God it is. We as God's people have to humble ourselves, confess our sin, and get right with God. And God said when we turn from our sin... We need to walk in holiness with him. We need to seek his face and live in his presence. Then our land will be healed. Look, I believe these, these, these things, these events are happening for a purpose. I believe God's getting ready for him to come back. And even so come Lord Jesus. If he came right now, I'd be fine with it. I'd go to heaven. My, all my family would come. Sue could take care of the dogs. Life would be great. We'd be in eternity. But I don't want the tribulation to come to take me away from just this world's too messy and I don't want to be in it anymore. I, wanna, I want God to come back in the midst of a revival where I'm like, oh, wait, no, no, not yet, God. We got more we could do. I don't want to get to heaven and say, whew, thank you, Lord. It got, it's getting bad down there. Like I saw a, a meme today. Memes are everywhere now. Talk about those astronauts who flew to the International Space Station yesterday. Somebody's like, you know, the astronauts flew out of Earth. That's a good idea. You know, I don't want to get to heaven and say, whew, thank you, Jesus, it was getting bad. I want to see God move. I want to see God heal our land. I want to see incredible things happen where when God comes back, I'm like, ah, oh, we could have done a little bit more. I want our land healed but it starts here. It starts with us. And until we get it, and until we live it, it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse and worse and worse, and we're going to feel helpless. So this morning, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to call the church to pray. I'm going to get on this altar, and I invite you to come and join us. I'm going to cry out to God. I'm going to cry out to God for our country, for the sin of his people, for my personal sin. 
I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to ask God to heal our land. And I ask you to join me. Let's all stand together.